everyone. Welcome back to the BeFit Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Murphy, here joined with a, with a very, very good friend of mine. I hyped him up on the last episode. Welcome, Matt Delavalle. Thanks for having me, Connor. Excited to talk, man. It's been a lot of years since we've, uh, we've known each other. We first met back at the level two, the old level two at um, Reebok, right? It was the coach's prep course. We met a couple of days beforehand when we did Chief before. with Power Snatches. I remember that workout. Did I beat you in that workout? No, I don't know. I think maybe. Uh, uh, so, so the first couple of rounds. So the workout, the Chief, Who cares? is <laughs> it's like it's originally three barbell cleans, six push-ups, nine air squats, and you do as mm-hmm. many rounds as you can in three minutes. And yeah. then it's five rounds of that. <clears throat> Great workout. Really so, fun workout. I think I remember on the first round of that workout, you might have gotten like two more rounds than me. And I was like, what's happening? And then I think we stayed pretty constant after that. I think that, yeah, that, that, that power, power snatch, snatch <laughs> power snatch probably fell off a little bit. Well, that's, yeah, I was probably really excited to work out and really excited to get into that. Um, that kind of format of workout is really fun because you have these three movements in a row on this short time frame that you can theoretically just repeat nonstop without any roadblocks. Like you're supposed to go from, if you're doing that power clean at 135, right to the push-ups, right to the air squats, and then right back to the power clean. And then I think, I think kind of famously, one of the people in the CrossFit community who scored best on that workout, Josh Bridges, I think he was like seven rounds per three minutes for all five rounds with the power clean in it, which is crazy. Insane. I think about when I would like sprint the first one and I would just barely edge out six. And that was Mm. the only time I was getting six. And then I would like settle back in from there. But great workout. Uh, Again, I love, I love the interval workouts. I love the workouts where it's not that like that centralized muscle fatigue slowing someone down. And if you have a capacity to do, let's say 30 unbroken pushups, you, that, that workout just hurts. That's all it's going to be for you. If you, if you scale the weight appropriately, that workout is just, this is hard. Yeah. That's a good, I think that's a good test in general. I think 30 unbroken pushups, if you can do 30 unbroken pushups as a human being, you're probably doing all right. I mean, there's going to be some people who will sneak by because they're just kind of upper body maniacs and that's all they do. But <laughs> if you can do 30 unbroken pushups, I think you're doing pretty good. I would say you are likely in probably 99 percentile of like health of people. I think about that sometimes in general, like um, of all the human beings that have ever existed in the entire humanity. I, I mean, you and I have probably done more push-ups and pull-ups than most human beings, which is kind of crazy to think about. But um, no, I would agree. I think 30 unbroken push-ups is a great number. It might even be lower than that if you're just talking about general health. If you could do yeah. 10 full range of motion push-ups perfectly with your own body weight, you're probably doing okay. It takes me back to that, um, <clears throat> like the, the push-up article that, uh, that Glassman had put out there. And it's, it's so funny how, how frequently stuff like that gets overlooked. It was like, that was the foundation of the program, like that, that perfect push-up, like the nose to the ground, <laughs> controlled, not bouncing your chest. And pressing yourself back up there, but yet mm. it's like okay, I learned how to do a push up. Now I want to bench two twenty five. It's like, you know, 
where did the you know where did the, where did the where did the process skip that part where like you need to have this capability? Yeah, I mean, I I think that's part of human nature, man. I I really do. So you and I have been involved in the fitness industry for a, a long time, and you know, one of the things that I see a lot in the fitness industry is people's desire one like we were just talking about to speed past the foundational movements foundational characteristics the basics just to speed past them maybe to learn them really quickly if if that mm-hmm. and then to move on to more like complex sexy shit the novice curse that, yeah right that's that's kind of famously the novice's curse right you learn the fundamentals and then you never revisit them you think that you're too good for them that's a that's a, a mistake for sure. The other mistake I believe is that a lot of times in the fitness industry, people are looking for like the quickest solution to the problem. So if you're sitting there and you're like, oh, you know, I'm not really happy. I had like three or four months of like really high stress and I was eating a lot and I wasn't eating like the right things. You know, people are trying to look for how can I lose this weight in three or four days or one or two weeks or whatever it is. But, you know, you're going to get healthy the same way that you got sick it takes time like you know if you took three or four months to you know put your body through hell for lack of a better term it's not just going to turn around in one day and that's something that you know i think a lesson that i'm still learning for sure too like even 20 years into being in the fitness industry both of those lessons i'm still learning is to like revisit the fundamentals early and often and then don't be so um kind of wrapped up in this idea that anything or everything can be a quick fix. Like it's going to take time. Um, and I, yeah, like I said, I'm still learning those lessons to this day. So you don't have a 30 day beach workout pro a beach body workout program that you're going to be I, able uh, to send out there. No, no, no. But I, I, I do think that there's value to stuff like that. So like, um, 30 day challenges, I think get a lot of shit because of what I just said, because <clears throat> a lot of people I think who are selling them also, are probably like a little bit of snake oil salesmen and kind of like charlatans a little bit. Like they are trying to sell you on this like incredible transformation. Like in 30 days, you can have 27 abs. Like, well, fucking probably not unless you're, unless you're you, (laughs) (laughs) you already have them going up. But the real beauty of like 30 day challenges is like, I think it ignites fires in people. So like, I like them as, um, implements for change or as like a fire starter for change where if you want to take this short period of time and you really want to buckle down and focus and you need to make like wholesale changes in your life where you're like things right now are really really crazy and this works for some people it doesn't work for other i want to dive into this challenge to really like jump start this journey to refocus to to forget all the bullshit that was going on and just take these 30 days and try to be try to follow the rules of whatever those 30 days are as much as I can. Now this, the, where people get fucked up in these 30 day challenges is like, if they're imperfect a little bit, they kind of sometimes think that it's all for not right. It's a huge loss. I wasted all my time. I'm, I'm three, uh, four days into this and now I got to start over. That's a whole nother conversation. But if you're just looking at the 30 days and you're saying, wow, this 30 days is an opportunity for me to habit stack, to, you know, change my nutrition a bit, to make sure that I'm going to the gym X number of times per week to get a walk in every day. And then after the 30 days, the beauty of it is 
you don't have to continue to do everything, but maybe you take one or two of those things that were really impactful for you. And then you start to make them more kind of ingrained in your lifestyle. And once they become ingrained in your lifestyle, once like something becomes part of who you are and just what you do, that's really for me how you unlock this greater level of health and fitness and in a much more healthy way, I think. Like I, I struggle with this a lot too, where like I try to do like everything all at once and it's sometimes not sustainable, you know, just peeling back and figuring out like, how do I find that balance? What are the things that are most important for me that will set me up for success to be my best, not only physically, but mentally, emotionally, socially for myself, for the people who I have relationships with. Are you talking about uh, work or just fitness? Both. Everything. Both. I think, yeah, I think, okay. I think this is both. Um, you know, so 30 day challenges, like I, I do think they get a bad rap. I think that they're probably oversold as being like the cure all to everybody's ills. It sounds really fucking sexy. Like I'm going to pay this really small amount of money and have this really massive bang for my buck in 30 days. And you can make some pretty significant changes in 30 days for sure, but probably not going to be the life changing fitness that, uh, or health outlook that you wanted to have unless you're able to continue some of that stuff onward and really look to consistency as being like your North star in your fitness journey. That's kind of like the brass tacks of, of everything in fitness is like, can you sustain this in a way that's consistent for you and doesn't just completely wear you down? Have you ingrained this into your lifestyle in a way that it becomes almost second nature? Um, and when you're able to do that, whether that's with yourself or with clients or whatever, I think that that's where you see the opportunity for the greatest amounts of like long term success, being able to be fit for the long haul, having really high quality nutrition, having uh, a really great outlook on, you know, morning or evening routines. Once those things become consistent, you're able to do them on a, on a fairly regular basis. Um, they become habits. And that becomes kind of who you are. I mean, I don't think there's anyone out there who can <clears throat> like disagree with that. Or someone's like, no, you know, if you, if you, if you change how you do it, you know, it's, it's not going to equal the results that you're looking for. Like, I think that's, that's apparent and you know it and I know it because people haven't seen where we came from. People haven't seen mm. the, the before this people will look at a photo of you and they will say that's unattainable for me. And then all of a sudden your habits, and I like the James Clear reference in there, like the habit stacking, and it's like, no, like it's developed to this. But what do you say to someone who your words are now falling upon deaf ears because they look at you and they say, that's unattainable for me, that's an extreme, that is, a, that is, a, that is, that is too far in one direction that, that someone could want, not realizing how attainable it is for them, but just not in that 30-day period. What do you say to those people mm. to get them moving in the right direction? Yeah, I think it's a difficult conversation. You know, I think it might not be attainable for them in the short term. It really might not. I think that that's something that I've also come to realize is like, I've been, I've been doing this for 20 years. You know, I've been, for the most part, I've been eating the way that I, I, I enjoy eating and also want to eat. I've been training the way that I enjoy training and want to train. I've been doing this, the things that I've want to do for almost 20 years, right? Like 
I, it's been something that's been consistent for me in my life for a long time. Um, you know, really early on, I liked training a lot. I, I like training when I was an ocean lifeguard, <clears throat> I really embraced the idea of showing up to the beach early and getting the workout in and being fit for the job, not only to like look good on the job. Of course you want to look good on the job. You got thousands of beach patrons walking around. You don't want to be like the person who's the sloppy lifeguard and people are worrying about whether or not like you're going to be able to save them. Like, no, you want to be the guy that everybody has confidence in, but also like for real, we, there was some heavy shit that went down on some of those days and you had to be able to like withstand the storm for lack of a better term. Like you had to be fit enough to make the save. And that always just kept me like really, really sharp and kept me on my toes. But that was around like 18 or 19 years old. I'm 39 now. You know, I was also learning about nutrition at that point and learning about the importance of well-balanced meals and proteins, carbohydrates and fats and understanding that protein was going to be the main building block of my meals. And that became pretty much the way I ate from, you know, that point on till now. Have there been ups and downs? For sure. But I've really been fortunate to keep myself on track through like the ups and downs that come with life. I think that one thing that I'm really proud of in my own personal fitness journey is that I've I've been able to hold on to these habits and I've been able to continue to implement them to varying degrees through some strife that has happened, right? Inevitably through life, you're going to have strife. There's going to be things that are going to happen that like you are not either prepared for, or they're just shitty or like, you know, it's just a tough time mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever, relationally, family wise. I think everybody goes through it. Nobody escapes life without having shitty times. But I, I really was able to anchor myself to this belief in fitness and health and nutrition and never let myself get to the point where, you know, I put on the additional 20 or 30 pounds where I didn't work out for two or three or four weeks at a time. Or, you know, I got so, um, you know, down that like, I just let kind of things, um, crumble around me. I'm not saying that, you know, when that happens to people that, you know, it's all lost or like, oh, I'm better than you, whatever. No, it just was something that like for my own mental health, when those things were going on, I needed to be able to get into the gym or go for a run or do pull-ups or, you know, create a really healthy and well-balanced meal because those things, they make me feel better, not only physically, but emotionally as well. It feels like I can control those variables a little bit more and I set myself up for success as opposed to if those things are also out of control and life is out of control, then everything feels like it's out of control for me. And I, I don't like living in that space. I feel much more at ease when I do the things that I know I need to do to put myself in the best position to be the best version of me. And, um, you know, I, I, again, I've learned that lesson the hard way. There has been times when I've not been able to do that. Um, but you know, when, when people say it's not attainable, um, it, I think, I, I think the, the tough but realistic answer is that, you know, it might not be attainable unless you want to do the work, unless you're ready to do the work and put in the effort. And sometimes that means making decisions that are uncomfortable, making the decision that you're sacrificing short-term fulfillment for long-term gain. 
it's really easy to like want to eat pizza uh, and Oreo cookies every single day. It's like, that's fucking easy. Like it's delicious. I would love it. I, I, I wish that like sometimes I could do that. <laughs> Honestly, like who doesn't want to eat that stuff? It's designed to make you want to eat that stuff. But when you know what happens to you when you put that amount of dose of not quality foods into your body on a regular basis, like it's not worth it. So, you know, finding that balance for yourself of being, of winning the long game of that, of that consistent long-term quality where the quality outweighs the, uh, the, the bad quality, I think is really important. And that, you know, it goes to a point when you're referencing, it's like you're, you're falling back when there's times when, when life is out of control for you, you're falling back to, you know, what the variables that you can control because you can't control every variable. But oh. I, it just, it's sometimes letting someone else know that, like, like giving someone the, like that last line that you said, it's like sacrificing kind of like a short term desire for your long term results. It's like, it's almost like it, again, like I said before, like it falls upon deaf ears when you try to tell someone that and they're like, no, I just really like these foods. I don't want to live without these foods. I don't want to be that person. Mm. And then in my head, I'm like, okay, that's fine. But then you're not going to get this. So you don't want this goal. You don't want to lose 30 pounds, have a six pack, run a sub six minute, whatever the, the goal is, whatever that they really truly want. They're not willing to make the sacrifices. And I, and I, I want to be able to, I want to, want to kind of talk about strategies to bridge that gap mm. to, to go from, Hey, Matt's favorite meal is going to be, you know, a steak and, and a non-processed carbohydrate that goes along with it. It's like, that's mm. in the same with me last night. I was like, I really want a snack. And I was like looking around and I ended up eating like a burger patty. So I was like, this is a protein. This is what's going to make me feel better for my workout tomorrow. If, mm. if I like Ty has candy that is in the house, like I could have just mm. smashed the entire thing there and I would have really enjoyed it. I would have thoroughly, yeah. enjoyed, I'm not like, mm, yuck, like there would have been like, yeah, I would have really liked it. However, yeah. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have the same clarity that I have right now. I wouldn't have had the same workout this morning. Waking up wouldn't have been as easy. So it's like, it's not that we have different desires, but how do you, how do you show someone? It's almost like, Hey, show them the light, show them that like, that it can be better. Yeah. I mean, this gets into, I think, a lot of human psychology. I think it get in, gets into behavioral patterns. Um, and I, I, I just want to let everybody know, whoever's listening, that like it, these decisions are not easy. Like th this is not, it, I'm, I'm not saying that this is easy at all. This is hard. This is really, really hard because <clears throat> control of your body and control of what goes into your body is really like the last bastion of freedom in a lot of ways. Like if you're an adult, more often than not, nobody is going to like physically pick you up by the shoulders and then move you into the gym and be like, you must lift these weights. You must do this uh, stair climb workout. You must, you know, do this interval training. That's not really how it works. If you don't want to do it, odds are nobody's going to force you to do it. Same thing with nutrition. Like, you know, when you're eating, for the most part, when you're an adult, nobody takes food out of your hand and goes, no, 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 you can't eat that. Like, you're a fucking adult. Like, you're going to eat what you want to eat. And that's good, but that's also challenging at times because 
you are now the arbiter of what you do for your fitness. You're now the arbiter of what goes into your body for your nutrition. And as human beings, we're all subject to, you know, weakness at times and the path of least resistance and not going to the gym versus going to the gym is the path of least resistance. Eating uh, really, you know, tasty, highly processed foods that like are designed to make you want them nonstop. I'm talking about eating these things like all the time. I'm not talking about a, a life of balance. I'm not talking about having them every now and then. I'm talking about being able to access them whenever you want. It's it's pretty easy to do that if you wanted to do that. But, you know, if you the only person who controls that is you. And you have to look at, first of all, what, what are your goals? What, what are your goals and why are those your goals? Because you can say things like, oh, I want to be ripped like Connor. I want to have a six pack like Connor. Yeah, but that might not really be that important to you. Like, why, why, why is that something that you want to get after? I'm not saying that it's a bad thing to want to be lean or to want to have like visible abs. Like, if that's something that you want, like, more power to you, go and chase it down. But that's for a lot of people going to be a life of a fair amount of sacrifice and a lot of hard work. And it takes time to, to get there. And if you're constantly making decisions that are outside of, um, you know, the, the kind of lane that would bring you there, then it's going to be a goal that's going to just continue to escape you. And you're going to probably end up feeling bad that like, oh, I'm never achieving this. I'm, I'm not working hard enough. Like I'm not doing it, but just maybe you're just not making the right decisions. So, you know, I think, you know, in terms of this, like you have to come to grips with what your goals are and why, and are they really that important to you? And then compare them to, okay, those are the outputs that I want, right? Those are the results that I want. What are the inputs? What are the things that I need to do to get there? And what degree of changes am I able to make? What, how much can I actually, um, put into this equation to get that? So some people can turn around things cold turkey and they can go all in and they can just go nonstop. And, you know, that happens for some people, but other people need to have a little bit more of like a tempered approach where like maybe they're making some changes more slowly and then they start to put some things on top of that. Or maybe they start to make these changes slowly and they realize that, hey, that goal really isn't that important to me. You know, instead of visible abs, what I want is just longevity and being able to move my body in a way that like I can play with my kids. Like, so I think it's, it's on the individual really, like from a coach's perspective, when you're talking to a client, in my opinion, like you, it's yes, you can create accountability for your client, but you're never going to be able to force action with your client. And you're never going to be able to be with your client 24 hours a day, seven days a week, unless you're like physically living with them. Like David Goggins did with the owner of the Atlanta Hawks when like, mm -hmm. I think it was the Atlanta Hawks when he went and lived with this guy and it was like every single moment, every single day, David Goggins was with this guy. That's like extreme. But for the most part in a client trainer relationship, like maybe you're with that person, uh, two hours max, but probably more like an hour. So the other 23 hours of the day, like you're relying on the client to develop some level of like, um, 
I, I guess, like wherewithal about the decisions that they're making, you're hoping that they're making the right decisions for them and for their goals. I see the same thing in, um, with mental health as well and with therapy. And this is something mm -hmm. that Chris Irwin speaks um, pretty eloquently on is, and I'm, and I'm a big fan of people opening up and, and seeing a therapist and doing that. However, that's not the cure, right? It's like going to see a therapist. At some point in time, you only have maybe your, you know, your one hour a week, one hour a day, whatever it is, unless you are like fully in with this person. But there's an amount of work that you have to do on your own. They can only, they can only guide you. They can only have so much input and, and expressing things. But at some point in time, you've got to take that responsibility and you need to do the work that's going to lead you on the right path. And I think it's like the mental health and the physical bit too. And that's where I struggle. And I, and I know it. I know one of the worst things that I can do as a trainer to a client is care about their results more than they do. Yet I mm. still fall into that trap. Yeah. I mean, you're a caring person. You care about the people that you're working with. I think that that's natural. Um, and I, I, I do think that in that relationship, when you're working with somebody, let's say you're the, and you're the client, you're the person who comes to this, uh, person for the, the help or the assistance that person, that trainer can provide you with, uh, fuel, with motivation, with, you know, accountability with, um, you know, breakthrough type of, uh, thinking or things that break the cycle for you. So you can have these moments in time that shatter paradigms for you. Like, I think that that's important too, is that there can be these like life altering moments that happen in the span of a few words. And, you know, you're deep into the jujitsu community. I'm pretty deep in the jujitsu community, although I haven't been practicing lately because of a uh, hip injury, but like, so famously, John Donaher is like the, let's just call him the Bill Parcells of, actually not Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick. Bill Parcells is another NFL coach. Everybody in Boston listening to this will, will know both of those coaches. But let's call John Donaher the Bill Belichick of jiu-jitsu coaching. He's the preeminent mind in jiu-jitsu. Like he's got the biggest roster of athletes with the most wins, and he's a genius. He's completely obsessed. He's spent his life becoming the world's best jujitsu coach. Famously, many years ago, in Henzo Gracie's uh, gym in New York City, in this basement gym, Dean Lister, an American grappler, an American jujitsu player, came to visit Henzo Gracie's. And this is, I think, probably back in like the 90s, maybe early 2000s. And Dean Lister at the time was one of the only guys out there. There was only a handful who was perfecting jujitsu for the lower body. He was attacking the legs. And to that point, for a lot of people, jujitsu had just been an upper body game. It was rear naked choke, armbar, Americana, Kimura, all, all upper body submissions, really. And it was looked at by a lot of people that leg locks were kind of like this dirty secret. Like if you put somebody in a straight ankle lock or a knee bar or a heel hook, that you were kind of a dirty player or like you couldn't win by taking my upper body. So anyway, at this seminar, Dean Lister's putting on his whole clinic on leg locks and Danaher comes up to him and he's like, Hey, like you focused mostly exclusively on the lower body today. But, you know, jujitsu is played mostly on the upper body. There was some kind of exchange like that. And Dean Lister looked at him. And this is one moment in time. These two individuals 
had not had much other contact besides this. Dean Lister looks at him and goes, why would you ignore 50% of the human body? And that changed John Danaher's point of view on jujitsu forever, forever. The number one mind in jujitsu, his whole paradigm was shifted by five words by somebody. And Danaher went on to revolutionize the leg lock system, revolutionize jujitsu in general. And it just goes to show you that like, no matter who you are, no matter what level you're at, the impact that somebody can have on you in a moment's time with the right thing that you say to them or the right thing that you do for them is massive. So I never want to discount the fact that like when you go to therapy or when you go to see a trainer, that there can be these breakthrough moments in time that can just change everything for you, that those people are there for that reason to help guide you and to also provide those nuggets for you so that when you leave, you can think back and you can rely on the things that they said and that you're not alone in the journey. I think that that's really important. But I love that story because it's so applicable to the things that we do in the fitness community and working with athletes, whether or not that's on their physical fitness or their nutrition, that like you could literally say one thing to somebody and it could change their whole point of view. That's powerful. And it it's kind of jogged <clears throat> my memory of maybe not necessarily people that I've worked with every day. I mean, obviously, as you have, have a coach, if you have someone coming in consistently and listen to you as a coach, odds are there's going to be some sort of results that come from that. I mean, most times in most circumstances, like that's how it goes. However, there's been a few recently that I'm thinking of, and it's it wasn't even necessarily from my input, but when I was on tour with Dylan last year around this time, our whole thing was we didn't drink on tour. Why? Because he has his trainer coming out to be on tour that's doing training, nutrition. Why would he put that? I mean, if he's paying for someone to be out there, like let's, you know, make this happen. Yeah. And after his tour, he made a post that was like, Hey, this is our second sober tour. Here's the results. Here's what I saw from, I mean, it was like 30 something days. So it could have been like a 30 something day challenge, right? Cause afterwards it was like, you know, I, I sent him a couple messages here or there, but he has his life to live. It's not, it's not all, you know, centered around me sleeping in the rack right next to him on a tour bus. And he had a, a, an, like a flood of responses from other artists, from other people that almost misread the post saying I'm sober to thinking that it wasn't just the tour. It was that overall, he's like, I'm, I'm not drinking anymore. And he said the support and the amount of people reaching out being like, this is what I need to do. I'm struggling. I'm struggling to get creative. I'm struggling on tour or partying every night. And he hasn't had a drink since then. And oh, it was wow. like, and it was like having that post and then having other people now express their challenge with it. And in his head, he's like, I feel better than I ever have. My work is better than I ever have. And it's like, all of these things were better. And that for him was, that was that driving force. That was that yeah, one thing. And cool. it wasn't, I mean, it was our, it was our understanding to not drink during tour. But then afterwards it was like those responses being like, Hey, I'm not alone in this and I feel great yeah. right now. And I can be, I can have a more, um, uh, you know, a better career if this happens. And then, you know, I, I kind of take the step back from there. And another artist that I worked with this last weekend is one of the guys who saw that post and mm. hasn't drank since. And yeah. from the last time I just posted pictures of us on Instagram, it's like the last time they were in there looks night and day different. 
And mm-hmm. that's what I love because uh, we all know I love, if, if you followed me on social media, you know I love taking pictures with my shirt off. And really not necessarily just taking pictures with my shirt off, but just having it off at all times. <laughs> In general. And when people see that, it's like, oh yeah, that's the fitness crazy, that's this. But now, you know, I have, you have this guy, uh, his name's Joe DePace. He's one of the, one of the, he's a duo for Loud Luxury. And I'm not training him full-time. It's not me that's doing all the work. We train when we come here and I'll, I'll give him advice outside of it. But he, he, he saw, you know, he had this picture and that photo was his motivation. I don't want to look like that anymore. Mm. And then when he, when he, with the post from Dylan and cutting out drinking and having all the realizations, I'm sure there was a lot, it was a lot deeper of a list you know, now coming back in like seeing his back muscles and his abs. And it's like, that stuff is cool, but it pales in comparison to hearing him being like, I, this is the best I've ever felt. This is the best. This is the highest quality of life I've ever lived. And it is like those, those little things. It's not like the, you know, them, them doing the work for themselves, but I I never really thought about like, like what those breakthrough moments are. Yeah. I mean, I think that you just described in, in my opinion, the, the, the bright side or the redeeming factor of social media and influence, right? Like I think when you see stuff like that, when you see people like Dylan Francis, or you see people like yourself, or you see people out there who have really large followings and they are able, or they do something that is uh, able to inspire people at scale and give people access to a very intimate part of that person's life. Like in the past, you know, an artist like Dylan Francis probably wouldn't have had the type of platform to reach their fans in a way that they can right now with social media. Instantaneously, he can post on Instagram or whatever, and he can reach millions of people with uh, a post that he puts out. And I think that, you know, obviously there's a lot of bullshit on social media. There's a lot of people selling you nonsense. There's a lot of um, dangerous comparison games that can get played on social media because in reality, I think social media for most people is just a highlight reel of the best part of their life. Like you're only seeing this snapshot, this moment in time of this highly curated image or video or this like really amazing moment or whatever, like for, for the most part, like that's what social media is. Or you have the image or whatever, the video, and you have somebody trying to sell you something behind it. But there is also this redeeming quality to it where you can have people show how they've changed or tell people how they've changed and why and inspire a lot of people to maybe make the change that they've been struggling with making for a really long time. And I think that that's really beautiful. I think that that's awesome that Dylan was able to inspire so many people by doing something that he felt was the right thing to do for him and look at the impact that it had on on so many other people. Now, social media also has a really, really dangerous and dark side where, you know, you are constantly looking at, like I said, people's best versions of themselves, the best lighting, the best flex, the best uh, picture of a meal, the best workout routine or whatever and then you don't see the downside you don't see the struggle you don't see the things that might be going on in the background for that person that influencer the chaos around the beautiful picture or the things that might be crumbling for that person while they're telling you everything over here is going great everything's fine um you have to also keep that in mind that like 
all of these people on social media, yes, you, you can use them to gain inspiration. You can look to them to, you know, uh, for some joy and happiness and like, you know, get, get fulfillment out of what Dylan puts out there, his humor, his music, his workouts, whatever. But like, also you have to check yourself and not, not just look at it and be like, this is the be all end all. And this person is perfect. And like, I can never get there. And you know, they're always so funny or they always look good or they're always eating right. That's not the case for anybody. And that's the downside of social media is that you don't see behind the curtain. You just see the curtain. But um, I think that that's really cool that that influence is able to do that for people, to give them the, the motivation or the inspiration to make a change. Yeah, it's that's an interesting point with social media, because I've always I've always almost dis, not disagreed. But when people are like, oh, yeah, it's just a highlight reel. And you're like, well, no shit. Like, imagine like, you know, what did our parents use for highlight reels? And this is actually something that Grady uh, brought up a few years ago. He's like, go through your parents' photo albums. It's like there's not pictures of them like crying in the kitchen and like like really sad, dark times. It's like there's photos of the highlights of them to like remember things by. I think the issue is that it's so instantaneous that if you if you post something you're proud of and other people aren't as, you know, they don't reciprocate in the same way. You're like, oh, well, well should I be proud of that? Is that something that's incredible to me? And I, I mean, <clears throat> I'm the worst. Like I felt maybe not the worst, but like <laughs> I, I fall into traps where I'm like, I'd really like to post this, but you know, this isn't content that will do well. And, mm. and like, I'll battle with that. And then I'll, and then I'll go off the deep end and I'll be like, I'm going to post whatever the hell I want because it's my social media and, I'll, and, it, and it doesn't matter. And then, mm. and then I'll fall back and it's like, <laughs> you know, people see like a video and they're like, oh, Connor was on a private jet. And they're like, yeah, you didn't see that he was pouring drinks for the owner of it. But you know, like it's, <laughs> it's, you know, and there's, there is a highlight, but I think the, yeah. the, the snake oil salesman, the, the, this is how my life is when your life isn't like that. That's not a highlight reel. Those are lies. Mm. And, and, and to have, and I think, that, you know, sometimes there is disingenuous stuff, um, but when you see something like that from Dylan that is like, hey, here, here's me laying it out there. It's not him like just shredded, you know, six pack looking like, you know, you know Achilles from Troy. It's like, mm. hey, here's where I was and here's where I am. And I feel fantastic. And I think yeah. people can relate to that. And like, oh, that's, that's really unique. It's not, you know, that will touch a different crowd than you know, my man street Horner putting out like an EMOM workout where he just looks like a chiseled Greek God. And you're, and people are like, like, that's really cool. And yes, he's doing that. This is like the real stuff he's doing. However, that's not relatable. They'd be like, I, I can't even do half of that. Yeah. I, I, I struggle. Um, I struggle with social media. I'll just be honest with you. You know, I, I, <clears throat> I made it a goal in like 2020 or 2021 to build up my following on social media. And, um, I was, very methodical about how I wanted to do it. I wanted to post every day, wanted to put up a reel every day. I wanted to train really hard and, and show people the workouts that I was doing. I wanted to post content that was inspiring based around nutrition. And then I also wanted to bring some of my opinions about fitness and um, nutrition, health and life out there and, and try to do so in a way that was unique. And I ended up, you know, putting sayings or uh things on post-its and posting them and you know i i kind of have lived that life for like two years in which i was doing that all the time and you know honestly 
what happened was I became too, um, it became too much a part of my, my daily life. Like it became something that I was like thinking about too much and it started to interfere with my actual life, with my actual happiness, with how I would go to bed and how I'd wake up and how I'd go about my day. I was like constantly thinking about, oh, should I post this? Should I not post this? Is this good content? Is this not good content? Like, oh, I didn't post today. I feel bad about that. I didn't make a reel, whatever. This thing didn't perform well. Oh, I lost followers today. For me, it ended up for the most part being mostly nonsense. And there were some real genuine interactions that I was able to have on it. And I know that there were people who followed me that did derive a good amount of inspiration from some of the stuff that I was posting and doing. But just to call a spade a spade, I, I, my relationship with social media got too unhealthy. I didn't, I didn't like the amount of energy and effort and kind of, um, uh, how much access I was giving it to me and how much access it had to my life. And I felt like the things that were going on in my actual life were not matching the narrative that I was showing or telling on social media. And that's when I started to feel like I needed to kind of step back a little bit from it and that I wanted to focus just more on doing the things that I need to do <clears throat> to put myself in the best position to be the best version of myself, the habits and the routines, how I want to live my life, the relationships that I want to have, how I want to do my job, actually fucking doing those things in real life, not just doing them and then going, Oh, well I did this and this is great for social media or not just going, Oh, I should do this because this is great for social media. And I found myself in that place and I just didn't like it. It got sticky. And I think everybody also knows the fitness industry on social media is like this kind of like weird, I don't want to call it like pseudo porn, but like it's kind of like soft porn ish style. Sometimes like if you're, if you follow a lot of fitness accounts, your explore page ends up looking like just a bunch of like ripped dudes or hot chicks. And it's just like down the entire thing all the time. I was putting too much energy into it, too much mental capital into it and not doing the things on the other side in my real life that I wanted to do or needed to do to, to be the best version. I was creating a best version on social media, but then like not actually feeling that way in my real life. So my relationship with social media right now is kind of like non-existent. I solely use it to keep up with people who, you know, I haven't kept up with in, in years otherwise, or like have conversations going or, you know, stuff like that. But like, I'm just not an active uh, member anymore. And on that, I mean, I don't think I can describe any better. I don't have to like recap what you just said. I think it's incredibly powerful mm -hmm. and powerful for, for people to see the success that you had on social media by, in my opinion, still being genuine to MDV. Like it wasn't it wasn't stuff that you didn't feel. It wasn't stuff that you weren't doing. And like, you know, the sure. notes and that stuff, like it wasn't just like, Hey, I, I, you know, I eat this like cornstarch meal that they paid me a bunch of money. It's like, it wasn't bullshit. And why I respected it is because you went from, you know, having a whatever following from, you know, from not really caring about posting from like the Reebok days. And then when you started with NC fit and, and then it was like, I'm going to make this happen. Mm. And it's methodical. How you do everything is methodical. That's from your time. I, you know, I admire your, the, the short time that I got to watch you, uh, 
you know, lecture and work on seminar staff to speak in front of a public event at Reebok to do everything you've done at your job is very well done. It's meticulous and it's very methodical. And to see you take that to social media and say, here's what I'm going to do. Here's the trends, right? Here's what, here's what does well, but I'm going to do them to mine. I'm going to bring my own thing on it, which now a lot of people focus, you know, copy Jason Ackerman. Like that was from MDV, <laughs> the, the whiteboard thing, like what, whether you're going to say it or not, it was, uh, we might've started at the exact same time, the exact same day we both did it. So I don't know who invented it. <laughs> I love Jason. Um, same. We were just going back and forth on social media the other day. I like to, I always like to joke around, call people out to keep like the social media stuff lighthearted. But I mean, you did it and you went mm. from, I mean, to having a massive account that, I mean, a ton of people follow and still look for, for inspiration. Mm. My girlfriend right now is like, you, like your podcast is her favorite podcast. And she just got into, oh, cool. she just got into to CrossFit since meeting me and she was in the fitness industry. She loved doing spin. She loved doing all of that. And and seeing her progress go through and then um, just, you know, she'll be like, oh, you know, like Matt and Max and James and all this stuff, or, you know, like telling me about it, which is, which is really cool. So it's, you know, I know there's the internal struggles, but don't think it was all for nothing because there's a lot of people uh, that I've seen firsthand <laughs> and me especially too. It's like, I look at that stuff and it, you know, there a lot of times I'm like, I agree with this. This is something I need to do. And then the, there'd be other times where I'm like, I don't know if I necessarily agree with this. Mm. And we'd be able to have discourse. And you're someone that welcomes that discourse in rather than saying like, how dare you comment on this? It's like, mm. you and I are always going to be friends and it's okay to disagree with your friends. It's okay to even have, even to say, hey, I'm going into this with my opinion, but I want to see where he's coming from. I'm mm. okay with opening, you know, I'm not so he you know hard headed on this. And, and I thought that was something that you did incredibly well. And for people who are going to, you know, the, the six people that are going to listen to this and then go follow you on that, it's like, there's a lot of really cool content on there. And I, and I think checking it out is worth it. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, it was something that was methodical for me. It was something that like, I set a goal and I was like, I want to try to do this. I want to see if I can be consistent with this, but I'll, I'll be the first to admit it got to be too much for me. And I think that this is where um, being a little bit more balanced with that aspect in particular for me was something that, um, I, I needed to figure out and it didn't figure out early enough. You know, I'm still eating the way that I eat. I'm still training for the most part, the way that I train. Um, but I'm just not out there showcasing it, um, on, on social media as much. And I, it was an important lesson for me. It, it just, it, to be honest, it was, it was that I needed to um, be more focused on just, you know, my real life. I need to be more focused on the things that were actually going on and less a little bit involved in creating this story. Um, but I, I think social media is a tricky one. It, I think a lot of people struggle with this. I don't think that I'm alone in this. Um, and it can be a valuable tool for the reasons that we talked about before, where you can make connections with people and you can find inspiration and you can follow people who inspire you. And you can you know what's the really interesting part about social media is the fact that like in the day and age that we live in, you can send a message to somebody like The Rock. The Rock has like 500 million followers. I'm sure he gets a gazillion messages a day. Mm -hmm. But 
I don't think at any other time in human history, you were able to have an opportunity to contact somebody like that. Like it's, it's crazy that like you can reach out to somebody like that and send them a message and tell them that, Hey, listen, you really inspire me by this. And they can watch it and read it and reply back to you. The odds are very, very slim, but like, you know, a really interesting story was that on my birthday, a couple of years ago, somebody had, um, sent me a text message that was like the David Goggins, uh, Joe Rogan birthday wish. Have you ever heard that when David Goggins wishes Joe Rogan a happy birthday? Mm -mm. And it's the funny, it's, it's, so funny it's so fucking funny it's david goggins doing it in the way that only david goggins would he's like oh yeah I, I can't even i can't even replicate it but somehow like i posted about it and it got on social media and david goggins hit me up and was like hey happy birthday motherfucker you better get after it i was like that is really really cool the fact that that happened you know just through this device um so there are moments like that but ultimately like i think for me, the healthiest version for me is having a more tempered relationship with social media and, and focusing more on my relationships around me and the people who are around me and my friends who are, are around me like you. And um, I, I'm not extroverted enough to like maintain that many close relationships and maintain you know, that kind of level of, um, presence on social media, like that energy, that like really valuable energy, I need to be able to share it with human beings in person first. That's powerful. It, um, it kind of makes me reflect inside as well because there's times, and I think, you know, I sway back and forth and not the, I have the amount of structure that you have and also not the amount of, I need to like cut it out completely. But there's times when I'll go weeks without posting and I'm just like, why? Like, who am I posting this for? And that's, mm. a, that's a big question that I ask myself with a lot of the stuff that I'm doing is who am I doing this for? Am I, am I staying late at the gym three hours so that I can post a picture of training this celebrity out there for everyone else mm. to give a shit about? Or should I, you know, go home and, and do what I'm supposed to be doing? Mm. And the hard thing about that is I've have done both and I've had it pay off in very different ways. Yeah. I've, I've, I've stuck around and, you know, trained people for free and, you know, stretched myself completely thin to be like, I'm never doing that again. What, like, what, a, you know, this person just took advantage of, you know, every opportunity that they had with me. And then I've had it flourish into relationships that have put me where I am today. And, sometimes the motivation behind it might not always be as genuine as I want it to be. Sure. I can, mm -hmm. I can say I'm doing this because it provides an opportunity. No, I think sometimes it looks really cool on social media and people are like, Oh, Connor is X because he does this and, and celebrities train. And it's like, you know, you're like, like, oh, fuck, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But you're, you're also trying to, to build a business and build a brand. You know, I think that that goes into the equation too. I, I think that there are things with social media, like social media is almost a necessary part of marketing these days. Sure. If, if not um, a necessary, an integral part, if you wanted to really maximize your message and really get it out to as many people as possible, 
yeah, you'd, you'd probably be dumb not to figure out a way to share it on social media. So like, yeah, I, I think that, you know, if, if you're always doing things for the, the likes, if you're always doing things for, oh, I can't, I, I, I'm going to post this picture because a lot of people are going to like it, or I'm going to get a lot of DMs, or I'm going to get a lot of comments. And it's feeding a part of you that only you know is the negative part of you, where you know it's the negative energy, where you know you're doing it for just the attention from men or women or whatever, or you have a particular agenda that doesn't necessarily line up to something that's noble. Yeah, maybe you have to take a fucking look in the mirror then. Maybe you have to go, why am I really doing this? Am I really doing this for the right reasons? But if you're out there hustling, if you're trying to build a brand, if you're trying to make a name for yourself, if you're training people who have followings and you want them to share the content that you're putting up, you know, I think that it's all fair game. It's just, you know, you, similar to how we talked about before, as, as an adult, like you are the, you're in control of the choices that you make with your fitness and your nutrition. You're also the person who's in control of like, am I going to press this post button or not post button? And, you know, nobody's going to tell you to do it or not do it. So, you know, I think that's your own motivations of, of why you're doing something are really important. Similar to what we talked about fitness and nutrition and then understanding, like, do I really want those things this badly? Yeah, that's a, that's a, you know, looking at it that way, it kind of brings it full circle. And maybe that's something that <clears throat> I need to take a look at in the mirror or a lot of people. I mean, a lot of, I mean, I know I'm not the only one who, and I wouldn't even necessarily say I struggle with social media, but after hearing what kind of the, your inputs and, and some of the situations I've put myself in, but it's very easy for me because of the, the routine and patterns for me to eat well, train hard and to, mm. you know, and to, to look and seem fit and to be fit. Um, but on the, on the other side of it, it's like, I don't, I don't think I've taken that same look or responsibility towards what I'm putting out there on social media. Why am I doing this stuff? I know it makes me happy with nutrition and, and fitness. I know it makes me feel good. I don't care if people are like, Hey, that body style is out. Like you need to do that. Like, that's how I feel good. After training mm. this morning felt fantastic. Like I was, I was singing blink. Well, one, I was, I was super stoked that we were, you know, hopping on a call. But I was at like Blink One Eighty Two ripping in the truck coming over here, like driving to to work from uh, from the gym. Should have been should have been a day to remember. That's what it should have been. It could have. I think it's a day to remember <laughs> so frequently that like like throwing it back to like a Blink One Eighty Two. Like I mean, I was just jamming out like in a great mood. Like you. that doesn't happen without the right meal and the right training session in the morning and the right yeah. the right steps for us recording this podcast. Sure, I, I could be excited, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't set me up for this. And I yeah. think, and I think maybe I should take another, like a, maybe find like a, like a systematic approach of, or even just like a checklist of going down, like, Hey, why am I posting this? Does this benefit the brand? And is this genuine to me? Yeah. I, I, I like that series of questions for sure. I, I also like the fact that you, you know what you need to do to put yourself in the best position to be successful. And you do those things often and on repeat. And, um, you know, one of the lessons that I've learned in, in fitness and nutrition is like, it doesn't need to change 
all the time. Like you don't need to constantly be seeking like the new thing, the, the, the best new pill, the new supplement, the new movement, the new piece of equipment, the new diet plan. You know, there's uh, a lot of credence to finding the things that work for you and doing them in a way that continues to work for you over and over and over again. And I think that, you know, we started off the podcast talking about this, where it's like people get lost in the idea that like you constantly got to be doing all these different things. There's a million things to do. I got a cold plunge. I got a sauna. I got to stretch. I got to do yoga. I got to do fitness. I got to do crossfit. I got to do powerlifting. I got to do Olympic lifting. I got to do whatever. All these things, man. You have to, you have to just boil it down to the stuff that you want to do that helps you live your best life and brings you closer to your goals. And, um, yeah, you can be a generalist and kind of touch all these things for sure. I'm not saying that that's out of the question, but like, don't get lost so lost in the sauce that you end up just doing nothing. It's like paralysis by analysis. Yeah. And that's, um, what's sustainable too. It's like doing, you know, what I'm doing in the morning and waking up at, at 5am to get my morning workout in. I could probably train in the afternoons, but I just don't want to leave it to chance. I can get, and I have gotten a lot of people to do it with me for a week to mm-hmm. do it with me for two weeks. But that doesn't mean that they have the same lifestyle that I have. And that doesn't mean that that's sustainable for them. So if going to the gym after work to do a 20 minute session is what's going to keep them consistent, then shit, that's the best thing for them to be doing. Not, be, sure. not doing it for not doing what I'm doing because I'm doing it. Oh yeah. The training plan that works is the one that you stick to. Yeah. I'm, uh, I, next week, I believe we have, uh, Eva Claire Sinkowski coming on to talk some of the nutrition Ooh. stuff. And, um, I love that message where it's just like, Hey, like, what what's gonna what you're gonna do consistently is going to work, and why I love that is because I think on the on the data point side, she's obviously like incredibly knowledgeable, and but also on like this the the psychology side of it, like we disagree on some things. Like there's things where I'm like, well, I've seen this work really well, and it's like when she in the and there's like there's so much of that discourse, but having someone that has that much knowledge, but like is the basis of being like sure, you can do this diet, but like, is that going to help you five years from now? Yeah. And how do you, and how do you create these, how do you create these small stepping stones to get there? And it's the same with fitness, the same with nutrition, probably similar with social media or, or gosh, anything. If we you know boil it down to it. I think that's going to be a really uh, fun discussion to listen to. I'm looking forward to listening to it. Hell yeah. It's always interesting because, you know, anytime I've worked a seminar with her, it's been one of like the most intimidated I've been before working a seminar because it's like Eva Cla- and, and I, and I relate you and Eva Claire Sinkowski similarly on the preparedness aspect of things. I've never, I've never maybe once in my entire life in a very, very different scenario. Have I ever seen you go into anything not fully prepared, <laughs> but outside of that, it's like, that's something that I have gotten good at. Not something I should necessarily always do, but it's just winging it being like, I, you know, I have enough of this to where I'm going to take this risk. I'm going to take this chance. Mm-hmm. Some scenarios it's good. Some scenarios is bad. Some scenarios it works out. Not a lot of them, it, you know, it does, but, um, the preparedness and knowing that 
you know, she doesn't have to have her manual open to know if I'm missing a bullet point in a lecture. Like she, Ooh. she knows the stuff verbatim and it's, <clears throat> and again, I, I, I get inspired by that type of, of knowledge, education, and then preparedness. And it takes a lot more to prepare a lot more on the front end to be that, you know, precise with something. So that's something that I relate with both of you, which is why it's, it's always really exciting to, to speak with you is, is, um, is that aspect of things. Yeah, that's cool, man. I, I, um, uh, I think that, you know, in my, in my fitness career and coaching and, you know, working level one seminars, it was something that like I took uber seriously, uh, was being over prepared for whatever I was going out there to do. And, um, you know, it spent, I spent a lot of years coaching CrossFit, trying to be the best CrossFit coach in the world, trying to, trying to have the best, uh, knowledge possible for myself, trying to understand the methodology best, trying to understand the psychology of athletes best, try to understand group management best. And, um, you know, didn't always succeed. I coached, coached a lot of lemons, coached a lot of classes that were not great or, um, didn't do the best that I could. But I think ultimately, that level of preparation kind of pays off in dividends on on the long term because you just continue to study any and any coach out there listening to this this is like the number one thing for coaching development in my opinion is the daily preparation for whatever you're going to teach because you're just putting money in the bank you're constantly studying you're constantly going out there and doing intentional reps right like the malcolm gladwell idea of ten thousand hours of practice it's not just like 10,000 hours of winging it. It's 10,000 hours of intentional practice. And no matter if we're talking about coaching or jujitsu or whatever, like when you go to do your reps, doing them in an intentional way is, is really important. Even if that single time or that time that you're doing them, you want to go, Hey, listen, for the last 8,000 hours, I studied really, really hard for the uh, product that I was going to go in and put on. This time, what I want to do is I want to test myself to see if I can do this by shooting from the hip. Can I do this without as much preparation? What information are you getting back from that? Um, but I don't think the opposite is true. I don't think like blundering for 8,000 hours or like winging it for 8,000 hours gives you the same result on the other end where it's like, oh, this one time I'm going to prepare now and I'm going to see what's up. Like I, I, I can tell you firsthand that that's not how it works. <laughs> Oh uh, no, but that, yeah, I, I would agree with you, Eva Claire Sinkowski, man. She's she's probably one of the top minds in fitness and nutrition for sure. I, I think back when you when you referenced that, I think back to like coaching in St. Thomas, mm. and I'd never written a class plan. I mean, I, I I tried to study a lot. I tried to like learn a lot about certain things, so I knew what I was talking about. But I mean, it was it was leading up to that first moment where you and I spent time together at that coach's prep course, where I was like. I am underprepared. I did mm. not do the study guide. I've been doing this stuff for a long time yeah. and I care about what I care about. But I mean, when they were like, you know, talking about foundational movements, I was, I was, you know, combative as far as not knowing that the push press, the dip should be upright. I'm like, no, you, this is how it, and they're like, no, that's not, that's <laughs> no, not, that's the bar's going, for, actually, yeah. the bar's going forward in that. And then I'm like, well, why would you do it in a thruster? And they're like, because you have to squat. And it was like the day one, I was just like, like everyone thinks I'm so smart back in St. Thomas, but it like, you know, I just got owned. And then day two, I had to come in and just like drop my ego and back. I'm here to learn. And it was at that, the preparation for classes, 
seeing, you know, getting exposure to coaches like yourself, the other people that we took the course with was like, Hey, there's a lot of work for me to do. And that was a big realization just because you can wing it doesn't mean that you should be. Yeah. I, I mean, I was also a product of, uh, my environment too, man. I like, I was super fucking lucky when I came up through coaching that like I, I ended up coming up through, first of all, the per- person, the first person who ever introduced me to CrossFit coaching was Carlo Mattia at CrossFit the rock. And he was a level four instructor. This was back when like you could count the number of CrossFitters on like two hands. Like I just happened <laughs> to bump into this guy at the gym one day. I was wearing a CrossFit t-shirt. It said, smoke you like cheap crack on it. He came up to me, he goes, Hey, you want to work out with me in the basement? I was like, let's go. I don't know if, I don't know if we're going to be working out in the basement <laughs> or <laughs> something else is going on, but that's essentially what he said to me. And, you know, from that point on, uh, it kind of launched me on this journey where I went to Boston, you know, got to coach at CrossFit New England with all those studs, Reebok CrossFit One, CrossFit Seminar staff. And I was very fortunate that my work ethic lined up with the right environment. And I was able to to combine those things to to really accelerate my growth as a coach. You know, I don't I don't think I would have gotten um, to the level of comfortability with coaching that I, I have or have uh, if I if I didn't have the environment also. If I didn't have people around me like you, like Ben, like EC, like all these studs, James Hobart. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. The Northeast was just this melting pot of talent for CrossFit coaches for like a decade. And I benefited from it greatly by just being around it. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. It's carried me all this way. So and it's been, I mean, you've, you've been a, a massive part in the things that I struggle with, which is, which, which was the, you know, preparation, the, you know, <clears throat> seeing your dedication to your craft and anything that you do still affects me to this day. I mean, it, you, we talk about it being an nutrition with fitness. I think about even in my daily life is, you know, I was always able to wing it. Yep. I'll meet you here. Okay, great. Yep. You know, sometimes you forget about it. And then like last minute, you're like, Oh, yep. Got to go run, do this. But now it doesn't work like that. I have Mm. to put things in my calendar. I have to put every single thing that I plan on doing in my calendar. Sometimes (laughs) I even plan like an hour where I'm like, this is where I'm going to work on, but I'm going to block an hour off where I'm just going to work on whatever that day entails. Like this is my free time for this and checking it the first thing in the morning, looking to see, Hey, making sure everything is there. It's like being that meticulous so that I'm not late so that I'm not, you know, all of these other things that, mm. that follow along with being unorganized. So the organization, your organization tactics and the way you go about stuff, maybe it was never a sit down conversation that we had. So I was like, Hey Connor, you need to clean your shit up. You know, it's like, it's like just seeing it and then seeing the success that it had was and the first time it ever happened was the the uh the crossfit level three mm. it was that i wasn't i wasn't gonna go in and wing it like every other seminar staff member and every other person that like when the test had just gone live wanted to do because they knew crossfit i didn't want to have that same experience in my level two with the level three and i was like i'm gonna go into it as prepared as matt would be and it Fuck was yeah, dude. And that changed. I mean, after passing that, that changed a lot of things in my life about getting on staff yeah. and then how, you know, how the whole thing plays out. Yeah, you crushed it, dude. I, I'm I'm extremely proud of you. And, and you've done all of the hard work. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's inspiring to hear that you derive some some motivation or inspiration from some of the things that I've done. But like, in when I hear you talk about that, I like, 
it fires me up because there were a lot of people that looked at that exam and go, oh, you know, I know this shit. Like, I'm just going to pass it, whatever. It was a fucking tough test. You had to read the whole CrossFit journal. You had to know how to apply CrossFit to a lot of different variables. This wasn't just like, oh, can you define CrossFit as constantly varied functional movements at a high intensity? Yeah, any like dummy can like pass that test. Why wouldn't you want to pass that test on the first try? That's the way that I looked at it. It's like, I don't want to fail this thing. I don't want to be one of the staff members who's like, oh yeah, I failed the test. I got to retake it. No, no, no. Leaving nothing to chance. But I just want to let you know, Connor, that I've talked about this on my podcast a bunch. And uh, my podcast is called The Intro. We have a new episode every Tuesday, but we have talked about fantastic coaches out there in the CrossFit community. And whenever I talk about coaches who have undeniable it factor i'm talking about it factor that when somebody walks into a room everybody stops what they're doing and looks at that person and is like kind of gravitates over towards them you have that more than anybody that i have ever coached with in my life i have never seen anybody be able to group manage or control a group or bring a presence like you can and that's something that like coaches would kill for so when I was looking to um, lever my game up, when I was looking to take some of the rigidity out of what I did, less kind of uh, structured, more fluid, more go with the flow, adding that level of coaching to my game, I was looking to you. I was looking to you. And I was like, how does he do this? How does he come in and how does he look and feel so at ease? How is he having so much fun? How is he getting the athletes? How does he have the athletes wrapped around his finger from the moment that he walked into the gym with his backpack on? And this guy, motherfucker, is not coaching for another half an hour. <laughs> so those kinds of things that like I look to you to derive inspiration from. And I think that, you know, it's um it's been really cool to see your journey. And you've uh you've worked yourself into one of the best coaches out there, man. I'm super proud of you. I was telling you that I'm not just telling you that right now. I told you that the other day over the phone. Yeah. That I'm super proud of the things that you've done in your journey. And I can't wait for the next steps, the stuff that we were talking about, the stuff to come, all the stuff that you're building. So I'm excited, man. Uh, thanks, man. I mean, it means a lot coming from you. And it's uh, it's always an uncomfortable thing to receive when like hearing that, like I don't know what to like do with my face <laughs> when someone says that. But it also inspires me to continue to do that. And it's like, I'm like, you know, I think back, was my last class, was I really bringing what I, what I know I'm capable of or, or do I sometimes let that slip? And it's like, it's mm -hmm. good to hear that as motivation to make sure that I continue doing that because if people are getting motivated by it, then uh, it's something that I need to do. And it's probably why there's, I've been able to see some level of success in coaching and in this whole journey of even people trusting me as business partners and that. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's fun. The, the journey's awesome. And, um, you know, with, with your podcast, it's like one of the only, it's one of the only people who are always like, oh, what's a good podcast? I'm like, I, I don't know. I, just, I listen to the intro and then, you know, every now and again, and you know who I actually listen to is um, uh, uh, Brian Chantosh. Mm -hmm. He just has like the Tosh Cricket Butterfly. He just gets on and he's just like, here's my thoughts of the day. And I just really like that because it's raw. And there's sometimes he's like, he like proves a point. And then afterwards he's like, I don't know, like maybe, but that's just, that's just how I'm feeling right now. Like I, I could be wrong. And I just, I just like that like raw thought process, but always love, um, always love, love the intro. Love like you, Max and James, just like chatting it up. Um, my producer Hurley here is like, a lot of times I'll have people on the show 
And he's like, yeah, there's like a 30 minute segment where you guys just caught up. Like you guys just like told old stories that I don't know if people will like understand. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I hope people like them because it was like, you know, some of the best times. And, uh, and I know it's always fun with you catching up about and, you know, just, just talking about shooting the shit, the old times, the, the, the untold stories. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's one of my favorite parts of the week. Every week is getting on and we have to have you on again. I've had you on the intro before, but I want to have you on with, uh, with those guys and, and just like talking about things. Um, you know, that, that podcast is really fun because it's a really natural flow of a conversation. I feel like we talk the way that we would talk if we were sitting around after a workout. Um, and you know, just talking about things going on in life, things going on in fitness, nutrition, coaching, whatever. And, um, yeah, I feel really fortunate to share an hour with those guys every week. That's awesome. I mean, be, I'd be more than happy to, to hop on. And again, um, if people want to, people want to find you, um, Mm -hmm. outside of just the, you know, the social media that, you know, you've been on a hiatus from what's the best way for people to reach contact you outside of listening to the podcast and and what's your, you know, Uh, I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to give you my home address, but, uh, I'll give them your home. Yeah. I know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I think social media is probably the best way still um, at MDV underscore FIT on Instagram. And then, uh, like I said, the podcast is the intro. It's on Spotify and on Apple every Tuesday. We got over 100 episodes and um, everything that I do for fitness uh, or for my job in fitness is with NC Fit. So at NC.fit on Instagram. And that's where we're at. Well, that's awesome. Um Again, I, we try to keep them like an hour long, but I, I thought there's just there's a lot of powerful content. I had no idea where the conversation was going to go, but I think that that conversation about social media and just having you be vulnerable enough to say, "Hey, this is where I struggled with it," is um, is really cool. And I and I can know firsthand a lot of people who are going to have that receive well and, and have it benefit their lives. But I can only imagine if those people are struggling with it, how many other people are like you know. What am I doing here? So I really appreciate you sharing that, coming on here, and uh, you know, just being a good friend overall. Thanks for having me. Love you, buddy. Love you too, brother. Well, um, again, you guys, if you're following here at Big Night Fitness on Instagram or me at Connor T Murphy, um, if you can't figure out how to get a hold of Matt, feel free to reach out to me. We'll put you guys in touch <laughs> and contact. DM me what you were going to send and him. All DM requests, yeah, <laughs> send to me. I'll vet and see if it's uh, appropriate or not to send. But. Um, Appreciate everyone listening in and um, and we'll see you guys next week.